This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Between the shadows of reality and the fringe of our own fears lurks a world of monsters. Strange creatures and frightening phantoms who test the very boundaries of our science and superstition. It's a realm of mystery and legend, a place of fact and fear. This is Monstro Bizarro. traditional sense of humans transforming into beasts, but in the form of an extraordinary canid with the ability to walk upright on two legs. A huge, hairy abomination that prowls our forests and flatlands, staying elusive enough to remain unproven, but not completely beyond encounters with humankind. For years, stories of these werewolf-like creatures or dogmen as they are commonly referred to in the cryptid world, have circulated around campfires and kitchen tables, suggesting that some kind of uncanny beast is at the source of our long-standing lycanthrope legends. The tales exist in all cultures, including those of America's Deep South. What lurks in the southern forests and swampy bottomlands of these areas? Find out on this episode of Monstro Bizarro. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Lyle Blackburn, and I'm here under the full moon, ready to explore the lurid legends of lycanthropes and modern sightings of mysterious dogmen. Ever since I saw the classic horror film The Wolfman, I've been enthralled with the archetype of the werewolf. Of course, when I was young, I didn't really understand the history of werewolves. I simply thought of the Wolfman as a movie monster. Later, I learned of the long-standing werewolf lore and traditions of the old world. And then, as I began to research cryptids and real-life monsters, I learned of the reported sightings of bizarre creatures that resemble these traditional werewolves, both in the backwoods and in the shadowed corners of our own city streets. 
In the last several years, there's been a huge surge of dogman sightings, which is essentially a category of cryptozoology that deals with bipedal canids, canids being the scientific family of mammals that includes wolves, jackals, foxes, coyotes, and, of course, dogs. Dogmen are the cryptid equivalent of werewolves. These real wolfmen, so to speak, have also crossed into the realms of the deeper paranormal, where they are considered to be something beyond a biological animal. The fascination with sightings of modern wolfmen was ignited by the Beast of Bray Road case out of Wisconsin. My friend and colleague Linda Godfrey was one of the first to thoroughly investigate these kind of reports. She's an author and journalist who lives in the area of Elkhorn, Wisconsin, where sightings of a large, wolf-like creature were being reported in the vicinity of a lonely road called Bray. At first, she was skeptical, but once she started looking into the facts, she discovered that the witnesses were very credible and the case was completely baffling. She wrote several newspaper articles about the case before eventually publishing a book called The Beast of Bray Road. It's become a classic in cryptozoological literature and has been a driving force behind the subject of dogmen. Once the Bray Road case became widely publicized, people began to talk of other cases from all over North America and beyond where people encountered these intimidating bipedal wolves. This includes many areas of the South, where I've done a lot of research myself. One of the first modern stories of a werewolf-type creature in the Deep South originates from the town of Converse, Texas. Converse is located in Bear County, northeast of San Antonio. The area is quite populated now, but at one time it was wide-open country on the arid scrubland of South Texas. As the story goes... Back in the late 1800s, a rancher, who was said to be a Civil War veteran, settled near Converse with his son. The son was not as much of an outdoorsman as his father, and therefore somewhat of a disappointment. So the father decided he would make a man out of him by sending him out to hunt alone. He figured the experience might be rewarding and therefore make a real hunter out of the boy. The father gave him a rifle and told him to go out and kill a deer. The father directed his son to a wooded area along a creek called Skull Crossing, where he knew there would be plenty of deer. The boy was reluctant, but eventually headed off as his father demanded. A few hours later, the kid returned to the house empty-handed and noticeably shaken. His father was angry, but the boy said he did not want to hunt there any longer because he had seen a monster that resembled a werewolf lurking in the woods. He thought it might be trying to stalk him, so he fled back to the house. Of course, the father thought the wild story was just an excuse, so he forced his son to go back down to the creek and finish the hunt. When nightfall came and the boy hadn't returned, the father began to worry. Perhaps he shouldn't have sent his inexperienced son out to hunt by himself. So he rounded up a few of the closest neighbors and headed down to Skull Creek and began searching by lantern light. A short time later, they came upon a horrifying scene. The boy was lying on the ground in a pool of blood. A monstrous, hairy creature was hunched over him, eating his flesh. 
When the creature saw the search party, he rose up on two legs and took off running. The men tried to shoot it, but it escaped into the thick trees surrounding the creek. It appeared to be some kind of a wolf that stood approximately eight feet tall and could run on two legs. The only thing they could compare it to was a werewolf. The father was devastated and felt guilty for not believing his son's story about the wolf thing. According to the tale, the man either died a short time later from grief or became a recluse. Although there are no newspaper articles that document the incident, the story of the so-called Converse Werewolf has circulated as one of the oldest monster legends from Texas. Now, whether this really happened or whether it was even a werewolf is impossible to tell. It does contain many aspects of traditional folklore, but at least the story establishes that there is a history of werewolf legends going back to at least the 1800s in the American South. This wide-open area of South Texas seems to be rife with monster lore, well beyond that of a werewolf. There's been Bigfoot sightings, chupacabra tales, and to the west, along the Rio Grande River, there's been reports of giant thunderbirds. Not to mention the Marfa Lights, which is a long-running paranormal phenomenon involving sightings of unexplained lights near the West Texas town of Marfa. The Converse Werewolf is the most ominous of these legends. It's a beast that seems willing and capable of killing and eating humans. Some researchers have suggested the Converse Werewolf could have actually been a Sasquatch, but this creature seems too bloodthirsty, even for the most aggressive Sasquatch and it just doesn't seem like the ranchers would confuse an ape-like creature with something that looked more like a wolf. Even back then, they could have been familiar with the archetype of a werewolf. Legends of these creatures have been carried over from Europe and then disseminated across the United States. A good example of that is the Rougarou, a werewolf-like creature said to live in the swampy woodlands of Louisiana. The Rougarou legends date back to the earliest settlements in southern Louisiana where Cajun culture was born. The French and French Canadians who settled that area told of a wolf-like creature that wandered the woods. Its name, Rougarou, is derived from the French word Lougarou, which means someone who could transform into a wolf. In other words, a werewolf. The legends say there are several ways in which someone could be transformed into a Rougarou. This could be a Catholic who didn't observe the tradition of Lent, or simply someone who has been cursed. Other stories suggest a person could intentionally become a Rougarou by summoning some mysterious force. This aspect is similar to the skinwalker tales that originate from Native American cultures. Tales of the Rougarou have become permanently woven into the culture of Louisiana, such that it's often hard to separate actual sightings with that of, quote, wives' tales or folklore. There's even an annual Rougarou festival where people get together to celebrate the traditions and stories. It's not so much a conference where they talk about the creature in scientific or cryptozoological terms, but a big event with parades and costumes, and, of course, plenty of food and beer, sort of like a Mardi Gras for monsters. 
But either way, there's people who swear they've seen something roaming the Cajun swamps that looks a lot like a werewolf. And the swampy countryside could easily hide secrets. A young man from Rapides Parish said that in 1987, he was living in a mobile home park that backed up to a wooded area. There were various trails leading off into the woods and a ditch where people had dumped junk like old washing machines and furniture. Beyond the ditch, further into the woods, was a small stream with hills on each side. The witness had spotted a metal folding table that someone had thrown back there, which he wanted to retrieve. One morning, he made his way out there and approached the area of the woods where the stream was. There was a chain-link fence which ran from the ditch to the woods. He noticed that the fence at that location had been bent in on both sides for some reason. But that was good because he needed to get to the other side. As he was ducking under it, he heard the distinct sound of something sniffing. When he looked up, he was shocked to see a seven to eight foot tall, hairy creature standing on the other side of the creek. It stood upright on two legs and had a powerful build with muscular legs and paw-like feet. Its chest was massive with muscular arms and similar paw-like hands. Its head looked like that of a wolf with a snout and pointed ears, and it had red eyes. The only thing the witness could think of was werewolf. As the young man stood watching, frozen in horror, the thing stepped over a huge fallen log and began coming towards him. Its breathing was like a deep rumble. The witness immediately turned and fled, hoping the creature wasn't going to follow him. Fortunately, it did not, and the young man escaped without harm. He never returned to the dumping site and, in fact, moved out of the area a few months later. Usually, these things are seen at night, but to see something like that in clear daylight is just as scary. Perhaps even more scary because there's no mistake about what you're seeing. It's just standing there in full, shocking reality. Beyond the Rougarou, there's plenty of other tales about werewolves and dogmen scattered all throughout the South. I've talked to several witnesses myself who claim to have seen them. Tex Wesson is one of those. Around 1982, he was walking on a road near his family's property in North Texas early one evening when something completely unexpected darted in front of him. I was coming home and I was hunting. I was walking down a white gravel road back to you know our place. And, and uh, this thing come out of the brush on my left side, ran across the road in front of me about 20 or 30 feet away. This thing had to be seven and a half feet tall. And it was covered short. Well, about four inches long, I guess. It's not really short hair, I guess. But it was black, um, hints of silver in it. Just massive. Um, human-like legs, human-like arms and hands. And it, it's frozen in my, in my mind that he turned his head and he growled at me in mid-stride. And dove over the fence and then went down to all fours. And then I saw the grass move about 10 yards and it was gone. It took my mom and my sister about 45 minutes to calm me down over I could tell them what happened after I made the long walk back. And uh, 
it set me back for about six months. I didn't go out anywhere for about six months, go hunting or fishing or nothing. My good friend Mike Richburg, who does cryptid research in South Carolina, passed on a report from that area. A woman said that around 1982, she and her father had gone out to check on their chicken coop after hearing some commotion. As they approached, they saw an upright, wolf-like creature walk out of the coop holding a live chicken. When it saw them, it put the chicken in its mouth and ran off on all fours. The coop had screen doors on each end and were affixed in such a way that it would have been hard to get them open without using a hand or fingers. It was night, but the area was illuminated by a security light. They described the thing as being about six foot tall with dark hair all over its body. The people were truly frightened by this thing, as you can well imagine. A few years ago, I interviewed a woman who recounted a chilling incident from Cumberland County, North Carolina, not far away. The woman, who was working as an animal control officer, told me that in April 2017, she was working late at their facility. It was located on an isolated dead-end street that backed up to some woods with several major creeks running through it. She was sitting in her truck with the window down, filling out some paperwork at around 2 a.m. when she heard a deep growl coming from the edge of the wood line. She had never heard an animal growl with such force and with such depth. She dismissed the noise, but something about it really spooked her. She almost felt like something was watching her. Later, as she was smoking a cigarette outside the truck, she caught sight of a dark mass crossing the road. As she focused, she could see it was a large, wolf-like animal with black hair, pointed ears, and a pronounced muzzle. It had a long, sloping back and hunched dramatically at the shoulders as it walked on all fours. It was obviously an animal, but it did not appear natural. She said it moved with very quick, fluid motions. She watched the thing cross the road and disappear into an open field. She was stunned. As an animal control officer, she was familiar with every animal known to the Carolina woods. This was something she simply could not explain. The next day, she looked along the road for tracks, but was too leery to go into the field where the creature had gone. She wasn't aware that people had reported dogman sightings, but after seeing some reports and drawings on the internet, she felt that's exactly what she had seen. She said it's something that will haunt her forever. As an animal control officer, she would be very familiar with the local wildlife, so this seems like a pretty credible witness. It was dark, but she could see it well enough to know it wasn't a typical animal. Her description of the deep growl reminds me of an experience I had one night in a graveyard. Back when I was a senior in high school, my girlfriend's parents owned a cabin on a lake in East Texas. The area around the cabin was heavily wooded with several old graveyards hidden back there. Sometimes we would drive out to the graveyards just for something to do and to hunt for ghosts. One night, we went to one of those graveyards well after dark. It was a fairly small one surrounded by an old chain-link fence. It was very overgrown and pretty spooky. But I was fearless, so I really didn't care. 
I remember we didn't have a flashlight, but the moon was shining brightly enough for us to see. There were no other sources of light. I parked my truck and we went into the gates to have a look around. For some reason, I went all the way to the far end of the graveyard while my girlfriend stayed closer to the front. While I was looking at the name on the very last tombstone, I heard what sounded like something breathing on the other side of the metal fence in the shadow of the woods. I looked in that direction, thinking I'd see an animal. Shortly thereafter, whatever it was made a loud, growling grunt kind of sound. It was like a mix between a wolf growl and a snort of a hog, but it didn't really sound like either. And whatever it was, it sounded incredibly huge, and it was standing somewhere in those woods, just out of sight. The sound was very scary, I can remember it well, and I can only imagine what kind of creature would make such a noise. I remember I took off running, yelling at my girlfriend to get in the truck, quick. We jumped in and took off. It was the only time I've ever been scared enough to run out of the woods. I never saw the animal, so I can't say it was, but in thinking back, it does bring to mind Dogman. I've seen and heard plenty of hogs, and it definitely wasn't a hog. There really weren't any feral hogs living in that area way back then anyway. It could have been some sort of regular canid like a dog or wolf, but it just sounded so much deeper and larger, it was very unusual. Either way, that was a pretty frightening experience, so I can only imagine the shock if one were to come face to face with something like a dogman. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I have another report in my files, this time from Mississippi. A woman told me that back around 1990, she was driving to her family's home near Acona late one night when this thing stood up on the side of the road. From a distance, she first thought it was something climbing up a tree, but as she got closer, she realized it was a large, wolf-like creature standing on two legs. It was around seven feet tall with dark fur and a muscular build. Its eyes glared in the headlights as it stared at her before it turned and darted into the woods. She said she nearly wrecked the car when she realized it was a werewolf. That was the word she used to describe it. Coincidentally, I came across a dogman sighting which occurred in Winona, Mississippi back in 1986. That's not very far from Acona. The witness in this case also described the thing as a werewolf which stood at least seven feet tall. It had a muscular build with legs that bent backwards like a dog. 
Its fur was partly covered in mud as it moved around their car while they were stopped at an old gravel road. A man from Alabama said he was fishing on a lonely stretch of the Alabama River near Selma one afternoon when a canine creature standing nearly seven feet tall rushed out of the brush and started toward him in the water. It was running on its hind legs in sort of a hunched-over fashion. The witness, Carrie, said the thing was covered in dark, reddish-brown fur that thinned out at the chest. It had a long snout, pointed ears, and horrible-looking teeth. Gary started the motor of his boat and sped away, wondering what the hell he had just seen. Up in Oklahoma, near Atoka, along muddy, boggy creek, a place that I've been several times, two men claimed to have seen an animal that resembled a werewolf. They said it suddenly sprinted across the road right in front of their oncoming vehicle, moving on two legs the entire time. When it reached the other side, it dropped to all fours and disappeared into the woods. So, as you can see, dogmen have been reported in many of the southern states. The phenomenon is often associated with Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania, but there's no lack of stories from the south. There's another classic southern werewolf case that made big headlines in the little town of Vider, Texas, back in 1978. Vider is located in Orange County, way down on the Gulf Coast east of Houston. The news reported as follows. On June 19, 1978, 20-year-old Bobby Bussinger tried to confront what Vider residents were calling a werewolf. By the light of the full moon, he took his 12-gauge shotgun and walked to the back edge of his lot, where he came face-to-face -face with a six-foot beast with shaggy hair and a muscular body. It didn't appear to be scared of the gun as it advanced towards him. Bobby panicked and fired once before running back to his house and placing a call to the local sheriff. Bobby and his wife, Becky, had only lived at the house approximately 14 weeks. The previous tenants abandoned the residence due to strange circumstances. They said something had been clawing at the window screens and howling in the nearby woods. When the Bussingers moved in, the problems continued. Everything came to a head when three of their dogs were found dead. They had been completely maimed. Another dog was missing altogether. After sundown on Monday, June 19th, as the moon was in full phase, they heard a commotion outside, like a dog fight. Then something hit the wall of the home, followed by an eerie barking or yelping sound. That's when Bobby took the shotgun, went outside, and encountered what he called a werewolf. Sheriff's Deputy Jack Reeves responded to the call. He found torn up window screens and other evidence that something had been prowling around the home, possibly trying to get inside. Reeves went to the Timberline to investigate. While he was looking around, he heard an eerie howl coming from the woods. It sounded like a cross between a hyena and an injured dog. Deputy Reeves knew that something was amiss, so he moved his car one block away and waited there to see if the culprit would return to the home. Within minutes, a call on the radio was telling him that the thing was back. He started his car and raced to the house, but by the time he got there, the thing was already retreating into the woods. He saw it about 50 yards off, a large form moving in the shadows. It disappeared into the trees. The Bussingers were so shaken, they packed their belongings while the deputy waited, and then fled to the nearby town of Beaumont. Now, when the police verify that something strange is going on, it always makes for a more credible case. 
I think this one boils down to whether it was a bizarre beast or a hoax. If it were someone dressed up as a werewolf, why would they continue coming around that house even after the first residents left? And why would they not run or give up the gag when Bobby was pointing a shotgun at them at close range? That just doesn't make sense. In later years, some of the relatives claimed that maybe it was all a big prank, but the deputy was there and saw something himself. And it's not the first report of a bizarre werewolf in Orange County. My colleague Nick Redfern fielded a report from a man named Solomon who claimed he crossed paths with an incredibly large wolf creature in 1933 when he was just a boy. Solomon said he was out fishing one day with two friends when they saw the head of a giant wolf-like beast emerge from the trees on the other side of the creek. Soon the entire animal came out of the brush walking on two legs. To their horror, it was some kind of a huge wolf that was at least 10 feet in height or length. Literally, a monster. The boys watched, frozen, as the thing paced back and forth for a few moments and then sat down. At that point, Solomon said the thing's body began to vibrate in a strange fashion and they saw what looked like a green mist come up around it. Seconds later, the creature rose back up onto its hind legs and walked back into the trees. They did not see it again. This bizarre story brings up a key point in the debate about the true nature of these alleged creatures. While on one hand, they are described simply as extraordinary animals, huge in size with the ability to walk upright. While on the other hand, they are associated with supernatural elements such as the green mist, or transformations, as in the case of the Rougarou. This seems reminiscent of traditional werewolf lore, wherein some powers beyond the natural world have transformed a man into a wolf. These kind of bizarre details make it much harder to theorize as to what these creatures are, if they do indeed exist. When dealing with the biological reality of a bipedal wolf, it actually doesn't make much sense because the anatomy of a canid is not ideal for walking upright for any considerable distance. The digitigrade structure of the limbs require a different anatomy than that of a plantigrade mammal, for example. However, these creatures are often said to move on all fours as much as they do on two legs, as we've noted in a few of these reports. There are animals that exceed the norm in terms of size or that seem exceptionally bloodthirsty. The classic Beast of Javadan case from France is a good example where a large wolf killed numerous people, inspiring conjecture that it might have been some kind of a werewolf. Much of the werewolf lore came to the United States from Europe, and cases like this were undoubtedly the seeds of our modern-day werewolf stories. The idea that someone could transform into a wolf hybrid is, of course, well beyond the boundaries of basic biology, so hence the supernatural elements that are often associated with these creatures. These ideas can and do extend from cases where people might have believed they did transform into a beast or literally act so beastly that it raises the very question. This could be the inspiration for the age-old tales of wolfmen. The creatures have traditionally been called werewolves, where in modern times we call them dogmen. But, 
Are they extraordinary humans or extraordinary wolves? Various theories have been offered over the years to explain the phenomenon. From simply overgrown wolves to surviving relics from prehistoric times, such as the Amphicon, a sort of mix between a bear and a dog that lived during the Miocene era, to shape-shifting entities all the way to interdimensional beings. It is possible that some wolves have adapted the ability to stand upright for short periods of time for their own advantage. For example, to look more intimidating to a rival predator, or to look over vegetation. Linda Godfrey speculated that this would allow them to look above corn stalks, since many of the places where these creatures are seen have been in farming areas. In early history, people and tribes often wore animal pelts for warmth, protection, or rituals. If a person saw just enough of the wolf skin walking upright, it could have very well led to stories of man-wolves and skinwalkers. And there are many unexplained things in this world that could have given rise to the archetype of the werewolf, and adaptations that continually challenge what we know about the animal kingdom. No matter what they are, there are no lack of reports that continue to add to the dogman story. I still get shivers thinking about one such report I received a few years ago from a young man in Alabama by the name of Richie Cutler. Richie said that he and his brother had often hiked and paddled the area of Gun Island Chute along the Alabama River in Lowndes County. Around 1985, they were camped there during one canoe outing. It was late evening and they were firing up some coals to cook a few steaks. As they sat talking and waiting for the coals to ash over, they heard something run through the trees somewhere in the darkness beyond the camp. It sounded like a large animal. A short time later, they heard the unmistakable snort of a buck, followed by some kind of commotion in the brush. It was perhaps 40 yards from the camp. Richie grabbed a flashlight and peered into the trees, but saw nothing. Richie's brother began to spread out the coals for the steaks while Richie decided to look around for some firewood to throw on after the meal had cooked. He took the flashlight and walked a short distance into the woods looking for fallen branches. The area looked a bit picked over, so he walked further into the woods before he found some dead logs that would be suitable for the purpose. As he bent over to grab one, Richie heard some movement just ahead. Figuring it might be the deer he'd heard earlier, he shined his light in the direction of the sound. He saw something, but it wasn't a deer. It looked like a wolf standing mostly upright, partially obscured by the trunk of a large pine tree. When the light hit it, it turned and looked toward Richie. Its eyes reflected a red-orange color as it stepped more into the open, moving on its hind legs the whole time. I just remember focusing on the long snout and the teeth when I first saw it, Richie recalled. It was totally shocking. He looked at the frightening creature for what seemed like an eternity. He could see fresh, red blood on its lower jaw and its chest. Richie said he didn't know whether to scream, run, or just stay still. His blood ran so cold he could literally feel the chill in his own body. After a few moments, the beast simply stepped back, dropped to all fours, 
and bounded out of sight. Richie immediately turned and ran back to camp, yelling for his brother. Needless to say, they left and never returned. That sound means it's time to send the dogman out to fetch the mail. This is where I answer your most inquisitive questions. I've got one here from Kendall Fontenot. He asks, Have you ever heard of or noticed an increase in Bigfoot sightings either just before or immediately after a hurricane? That's a good question, and certainly if these creatures exist, then they would be uprooted during one of these weather events, you know, just like any other animals or humans for that matter. This would conceivably result in more sightings. Now, I haven't personally received a flood of reports following a hurricane, and certainly we've had them here in Texas where I live, and in places like Louisiana and Florida where Bigfoots are said to live. But that doesn't mean there hasn't been an increase. The problem is mainly that there's no centralized location where all these reports come in. So, you know, there's so many outlets across the internet to report such things, you know, along with newspapers and other individual researchers that even if there is an increase in these sightings, these could get reported in numerous places. I'm just one of these outlets among many. That makes it hard to tell if there's an uptick per se, unless, for example, I was to focus on that trend and start looking into the dates of the various sightings I could find and then try to correlate those with the various weather events such as hurricanes. The other problem, I think, is that during such destructive weather events, you know, people are more focused on saving themselves and their property that they may not notice what is going on in the wooded areas surrounding them. So if Bigfoots are moving around seeking higher ground, there's so much other chaos going on that people are less likely to pay attention to that and, you know, even report it. But yes, I think that if these creatures do exist, then they would certainly be affected by hurricanes and have to move around for higher ground whether that results in more sighting reports or not. Eric from Spring Hill, Tennessee, sent a question about the Lake Worth Monster episode. He asks, Were the footprints of the Lake Worth Monster reported as being typical Bigfoot prints with five toes, or something more unusual like the three-toed Boggy Creek prints? Now, this is a reference to the famous Legend of Boggy Creek case involving the Falk monster in southern Arkansas, where the creature was said to have a three-toed foot. The Lake Worth monster tracks were generally described as being large and, quote, ape-like, and that leads me to believe they had five toes, though in many cases that, that wasn't specified exactly. To my knowledge, there were no photos taken of the tracks that were found back in 1969, so I can only go by the vague descriptions documented in Sally Ann Clark's Lakeworth Monster book or in the various newspaper articles. I think if there had been three-toed tracks, that would have been noted. It would have been quite unusual and something that they would have included in those details. But since they were described as looking like those of a large human or ape or just said to be monstrous, 
I think they had five toes or in some cases were probably just huge imprints that may, may not have shown any clear toe definition. You know, back in 1969, people didn't carry around cameras like we do now and probably didn't think to document these monster cases very carefully. So unfortunately, we just don't have any detailed descriptions or photos of those various tracks. But in my opinion, judging from the descriptions that we have and the descriptions of the creature, which was said to be something of a white Bigfoot, I will assume that the foot had five toes because it doesn't specify otherwise. If you have a question, send it to me via the contact page on my website, lyleblackburn.com. With descriptions that blur the lines between cinematic monstrosities, supernatural entities, and potentially unknown animals, the case for Dogman remains one of the most puzzling and frightening in the realms of cryptozoology. Given the physical challenges for a canid to walk upright, the existence of these creatures, even without a supernatural transformation, seems rather incredible. However, compelling encounters like those I've covered here have been reported by many credible eyewitnesses in the heart of modern times. Lycanthropic legends can be traced back to the very origin of our human history. It's something as old as our collective memory, reflecting those days when we huddled in caves with only the veil of firelight to protect us from whatever monstrosities lurked in the shadows beyond. Perhaps these beasts have always lurked at the edge of our tenuous existence, sometimes taking the form of animals and sometimes distorting the very form of man himself. When the full moon rises, be careful of the dark woods. The howl you hear may very well have come from the darkest corners of the place we know as Monstro Bizarro. This podcast is brought to you in part by Cryptid Headquarters, a collaborative effort of authors, artists, and cryptid enthusiasts from Southwest Virginia who seek to share information, ideas, and the awareness of anomalous creatures. For more information, visit www.cryptidhq.com and the North American Bigfoot Center of Oregon, an exhibit dedicated to the mystery of Bigfoot located in scenic, boring Oregon. Find out more information at NorthAmericanBigfootCenter.com. For more information about my books, music, and research, please visit LyleBlackburn.com. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.